<laughs> That's a great example, I think, of somebody getting in touch with and the freedom that comes from knowing who you are and that who you are isn't something you have to kill. There are some things that you do have to die to, selfishness, greed, um, manipulation, all the things that undermine true relationships and authenticity. But outside of that, I don't think God's calling you... I think he's calling you to embrace how he's hard. Well, you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. So embrace that. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power. Welcome back to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast. My name is Christian, and I'll be your host today. Uh, I'm joined by my dad, Ron. This is uh, our second episode with you as a guest, so welcome back. Maybe many more. <laughs> How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we're just back from from Texas, Coppell, Texas, uh, for the Divine Renovation USA 2022 conference. First USA conference. Yeah, it was awesome. So big, much fun. It was shout out to Kurt and his team for doing a great job. Yeah, they should do something about the weather next time. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. It was super hot in Texas in the summer, but we had an unbelievable time. What were some of your takeaways? Yeah, well, it was great. It was so fun to see the conference come together. Anytime you do a conference, it's a risk because you, you're throwing a party. Will people show up? And it's stressful. And so just the faith that it takes to put something on, and again, Kurt Clements and the team down in the U.S. really pressed through because it's post-COVID or at least post-COVID restrictions. People have been a little leery to show up at conferences, but boy, they had a full house and everybody had so much fun. The talks were amazing. It was so fun. It was fun to hear Father James there. He said, I'm not only here as a, as a speaker, as, I'm here as a delegate because he's in the parish again and, and in a situation he's never been in before. And so he's both giving and receiving, and it just goes to show you how hard this stuff is and, and, and the fact that we're always learning. And so it was fun for us to go as a team down there and, and, um, and learn ourselves and just be immersed and see old friends and make new ones. It was, it was spectacular. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was really cool for me too. Um, I usually work behind the scenes and, um, but to get to meet some of our clients face to face was, uh, was super cool. And, and we have really great partners. And, and so yeah. it was really fun to, connect with them and, and to learn with them and yeah so I, I enjoyed myself as well it was a really cool opportunity to get down there so, yeah um yeah so today like i mentioned this is the second time we're we're doing this kind of interview style where you're the guest and i'm the host and um for those of you who are uh listening on audio we are on youtube now as well as in our in our new podcast studio that uh, that we built with with hannah's help <laughs> my sister's behind the camera too just um producing this one so um so yeah if you want to check that out and and uh see our faces while you listen to the podcast feel free to go hop on there ron huntley leadership coaching um subscribe and uh let us know what you think as well it'd be that would be uh really helpful what's great about that too is it really drives the algorithm says and i didn't really understand what that meant <laughs> but it means a lot to be to subscribe and and to leave comments because that just tells the algorithm that this is bringing value to people and it just jumps it up the scale in terms of conversations around leadership and particularly parish leadership so anytime you share it or subscribe or add comments you're on every episode it, it means a lot to us so thank you for doing that yeah definitely and so today is is episode two 
Um, the theme is your values, your vision. Um, would you like to preface that for everyone? I sure would. You know, one of the most important things that, that we can do as leaders, if anything, business and as well as in parish renewal, is to really embrace our vision. And so often what I find in coaching, particularly with pastors, is that they almost feel like they haven't been given permission to have a vision. It's like, you're a priest, this is what you do. It's like, yes, but we're defined by more than what we do. What we do comes out of who we are. And so our identity and and the permission to dream and dream big is so important. But sometimes, too, I've seen time and time again that it's almost as if people don't have permission to get in touch with their values because your values are going to drive your vision. (laughs) And sometimes, though, we don't even know what they are. And even if we do know what they are, we feel like we can't put much emphasis on that because it's almost too egocentric or or shame on us for not dying fully to ourselves. And it, it can get complicated. But what I find is, is that when people embrace their values and let that drive their vision, they discover their passion. Because if you're trying to live somebody else's values and vision... I mean, sometimes that's a great place to start, but when you start to run into pushback and roadblocks and difficult times and staff rehires, <laughs> you're going to get exhausted. And if that's not your true passion, you'll burn out. And so it's really important to get in touch with your values. God made you on purpose. You as a pastor, or you as the CEO of your company, you're God's A plan. And so understand who you are. It's really important. And there's a lot of freedom in that. There's freedom in being okay to be you. God's hardwired you to be great. And so what does that look like? Do you have a language to understand yourself and the beauty and the essence of who you are so that you can let that drive what your parish could look like? Because when you do, uh, we're going to fix that beeping behind the scenes. I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. uh, When you do, what's going to happen is it's going to literally drive your agenda, your parish, the renewal through difficult times, because if you don't have that, it's not going to be able to be sustainable. Awesome. So if parish renewal wasn't hard before COVID, um, (laughs) it definitely is now. Um, What kind of trends are you seeing in um, the desire to to get help outside of um, the leader, I guess? Sure. Well, I think, you know, somebody said to me, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, which actually was about a month and a half ago, and he said, you know, parish renewal is becoming a, a cottage industry, a small cottage industry in terms of there's a lot of people getting into helping others. And I think, thanks be to God, because we need help. I know at St. Benedict Parish, we got help a lot. We went to a lot of conferences. We read a lot of books, and we sought the help of, of uh, consultants at different seasons at different times. Because we knew we couldn't do it on our own. We, we needed to be growing as leaders. And so I think in one sense, the appetite is quite high to some degree. I think the appetite for coaching is always going to be slightly muted uh, in that, you know, it's easy to take a course. That's pretty non-threatening. And I, and I think, you know, when you look at how priests are trained, they're trained academically, right? They go to academic institutions to get their uh, degree in theology. Now, they have some parish training in terms of their ministry year that they do, and then they spend some time as an associate. I don't know how intentional that time is in terms of really speaking into leadership. Uh, however, 
when it comes to the whole concept of taking courses, I think that's a safe and easy way and probably a good start. But coaching is very vulnerable because it's about you. Mm. And you can hide in a course, but you can't hide in coaching. And uh, because ultimately what we're trying to do in coaching is help you be great and to understand where the glass ceilings are in your leadership because we're always going to be the limit to which the impact which God wants to have through us. And I think one of the beautiful things about having a coach is that they can help you spot your blind spots. They can help you see your impact when you don't see it. Because it's hard. A lot of times people won't speak into their CEO, their boss, or their pastor in ways that will bring insight and breakthrough. Because it's risky. So if I speak to you and you don't, you don't take it the right way, you could harbor ill feelings towards me, and that could impact our relationship. But when you're at arm's length, it, you're, oper- you're, you're able to speak into people with a level of truth and mercy that oftentimes is easier to receive. And that can be really, I don't know, a team that I've coached into where they're not saying thank you. And that goes both ways when we're able to speak into the lay people on the team in ways that really call them to be better. You know, sometimes the pastor's going, thank you for doing that. I've been trying to say that, but it hasn't got through. Or you're a, you're the pastor and I'm able to do that. And the lay people go, thank you for identifying that. That's going to help us get to the next level. And so it's a real treat. But it's difficult to say yes to that stuff because it, it takes... Um, takes a lot of health to be able to have somebody speak into you and challenge you and help you grow you have to have the desire but you also have to have the the health the the emotional health to enter into that kind of arrangement as it relates to values where do you think the hesitation to get coaching comes from you know i don't know if i understood how important that was until a few weeks ago as uh, I was talking with my uncle, who's also a priest, and and we were having a really wonderful conversation at Wendy's, <laughs> and um, and we weren't connecting. We were talking, we were talking passionately, and yet we were talking past each other. And I think both of us, I think, you know, he shared with me, he said, Ron, I got to the point where I realized your values are different than mine, so... Um, I appreciate you. I respect you. So keep doing your thing. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And, but we were missing. And it wasn't until I recognized his values. He's a shepherd at heart. He doesn't want to lose anybody. Not only does he want, doesn't want to lose anybody, he wants to reach the people on the periphery that, that feel rejected. Those are the very people he feels called to welcome. Those are his strongest values. Yes, he values other things as well. But it wasn't until I was able to acknowledge, really pull out of him his strongest values and, and put my finger on it, that he felt like, you get me now. You get me now. And that's exactly what I wanted to celebrate. In fact, that's how he would build a company or a parish is around that core value. And that's a beautiful value. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He left the 99 to go get the one, and that's the exact heart that my uncle has, but that's not my heart. I I don't have that same conviction to the degree he does, and he sees my conviction, and it's different. But as a coach, my job isn't to place my values on people, it's to unpack your values so that we can build your church or your company around your values, as long as they're values that are noble and God-honoring, which they 
they always are in our context in the work that we do. They always are. But I think sometimes the resistance to coaching comes from, well, you're going to put your values, whether it's from a specific model, a specific movement, whether it's divine renovation, rebuilt, what have you. Um, I'm afraid you're going to change me. And as a coach, my hope and goal is, no, my goal is to understand you, help you understand yourself a lot so that we can get really excited about those noble values that you do have so that we can build a church around that. And when that begins to take place, I see priests just have this new level of freedom and passion and joy. And that's what sustains them. That's what helps bring clarity to the people around them. Because if I'm trying to live out somebody else's values, the values that somebody else told me that are important but aren't as important to me, it shows up in my energy level. It shows up in my conviction. And people can read us like a book. Like people are so smart, like intuitively, relationally, they get it. And so it can feel like we're going through the motions, mostly because we're going through the motions. And <laughs> it isn't until we, we have the freedom to, to live out, our, to understand our values and to live them out from a place of leadership to infect others to do something great. And I think a lot of people feel like coaching is going to make them different. And I would suggest it is going to make you different. It is going to make you understand, hopefully understand your values and have the courage and boldness to live out and live and lead out of them in a way that transforms you as a pastor and everyone else around you to reach more people for Jesus. Like, And that is different. But that's the best difference imaginable as far as I can tell. But I think that's the resistance. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, that's so exciting. Very cool. Um, for someone who doesn't, know their values or has never done the, this work before how would you draw that out or how would you coach into that i think i get better at it all the time i think i i can miss it at times i think the best way to understand people's values is to watch them and listen to them asking great questions as a coach is always the most important thing as a leader i heard the other day i was talking to father george when we were at the dr conference he yeah. said the book he read uh just said that great leaders ask great questions. I thought that was beautiful. And so listening intently and watching people, because I did an exercise one time as the director of pastoral ministries at St. Benedict, and I'd been working with the staff there for quite some time supporting them. And I asked them one day, what are my top values based on how I treat you and how you see me treat others and how you see me work and spend my time I want you to write down my top five values. It was so cute because one person had just started working with us as a missionary uh, staff person, so a volunteer staff person, and she said, I feel so uncomfortable doing that. Do you mind if I step out during this period? <laughs> I said, no problem at all. But I didn't mind whatever came out. I said, be brutally honest. And it was really neat to see what came back at me. And so I've had other people do that too. Ask the people that you've been working with, what are your values? It's a scary question if how you treat people isn't very good. Uh, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, but it's, sometimes it's great to get other people's perspective of what they think you value. But sometimes it's just asking yourself, what are your core values? If you could only have three, what are they? And it's really tricky. In, in one sense, it's it's it's. It's a great conversation to have with yourself. It's a, it's a great way to dig deep. What do I truly value? Like I think for myself, and it sounds so frivolous, I value fun. I value joy. Like I value it a lot, and I don't apologize for it. If something's not fun, I don't want to do it. 
Like, I don't think church and fun are, are mutually exclusive. Yeah. I don't think leadership and joy are mutually exclusive. And sometimes we're so focused on results and, and, and getting things done in a particular way, we can suck the fun right out of the room, right out of a team, right out of a church. And that's not good enough for me. Even in my coach, if I'm not having fun, that's a, that's a flag for me because it's one of my core values. And it doesn't mean that I have fun all the time. It doesn't mean I'm full of joy all the time. But if, if I go a period of time and I'm recognizing I'm, I'm harsh right now, I'm, I'm dry right now, well, that's a problem. And so what are the things you value? I remember one time working um, with a with the first intern we had at St. Benedict Parish while we were there. And and it was a really fun conversation. And it was a difficult conversation. We were getting to know each other because I'd meet with them every week. And we'd have these coaching conversations, which were a ton of fun. But his self-identity, he literally said, I'm, I'm Father Fuddy Duddy. I just lumber along and I'm just here for a few tips. And I remember saying to him, I don't do tips. <laughs> I do transformation. Like, I want you to be transformed by being here with us. Like, if you, geez, tips, seriously? Like, <laughs> like that's just so boring. <laughs> I want impact. I want you to leave really excited. And one day I, I asked him, I said, I'll tell you what, I need you to go away this week and come back with your vision. And I want it to be exciting. I want to buy what you're selling. So sell me your vision. Tell me why I should be a part of your church in a way that would excite me and want me to engage and give up time and invest. And I want you to know before you go, I'm already buying. I'm the easiest person to sell imaginable. But I need you to do the work. And he said, no problem. And so he went away and he came back. Now you got, you got a picture of this. Like I'm five foot eight, what, 170 pounds. This guy's big he used to be a bouncer before he was a priest <laughs> he's a big man and uh, and a wonderful guy and i said did you do your homework he said yep i said all right have at her and so he started sharing his vision with me and after about 10 minutes of sharing what i found to be incredibly boring i said can you stop i said it sounds to me like you went home ate one of your seminary books and you're just regurgitating it to me i don't believe a word you're saying you're giving me somebody else's words. You're giving me what other people say a good priest should be. And I'm not buying any of it. Like, it's not convincing me in the least. Who are you anyway? And he's like, uh. And I started kind of needling him. <laughs> and just asking difficult questions. And I could see his blood pressure rising and rising, getting more and more frustrated with me. But I was doing this on purpose because I was trying to get to that place that was deep in his heart and so through a series of questions I don't fully remember the questions I asked but he started to get really angry with me and I started continuing to push into it and finally I said who are you anyway with all else who are you what kind of person are you he said I'm a good friend and he yelled it at me because he like the, the temperature was rising in the room I'm a good friend I said are you really why should I believe you because I've got tons of friends oh tons of friends do you how many uh, probably 20 you've got 20 close friends yes I do what are their names bang 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 what do you know about them boom 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 I'm thinking holy cow I believe this guy yeah. it was so exciting and I asked then I asked him again tension's really high I said let me ask you something do you, think, do you think a church would be worth going to if it was one where you could make good friends? Do you think that would be a church worth going to? And his whole, it, uh, he got it. And he realized, yeah. I said, well, what problems with that self? Loneliness. 
Really? You think there's lonely people where you come from? Hundreds, thousands, really? And all of a sudden, he got it. Because honestly, he's an amazing friend. And I've hung out with him and his friends. I've gone golfing with them. I've, go, I've gone vacationing with them. Like, he is the best friend you ever want to have. He creates environments where friendships are just normal. I've never seen anything like it. But for the first time in his priesthood, he recognized he had permission to actually lean into the things that he values and he's good at. He got up in the middle of our conversation, said just a sec, got on his cell phone, stepped out into the hall, and recruited a a senior leadership team member on the spot (sighs) because he was so convicted. If he was going to build a church like that, he knows exactly who he was going to ask on his team. It took him no time to build his leadership team. Once he had the freedom, once he understood who he really was and what kind of church he wanted to build based on his values, and since then he's been crushing it in terms of bringing, re- reaching new people for Christ, filling his church, creating an incredible music ministry, hospitality out of this world, helping loads of churches all around him. It's so exciting. And that was Father Fuddy Duddy yeah. who came yeah. for a couple of tips, but he left completely transformed. And that's why I love doing what I do. And yeah. <laughs> so that's a great example, I think, of somebody getting in touch with and the freedom that comes from knowing who you are and that who you are isn't something you have to kill. There are some things that you do have to die to, selfishness, greed, um, manipulation, all the things that undermine true relationships and authenticity. But outside of that, I don't think God's calling you, I think he's calling you to embrace how he's hard. Well, you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. So embrace that and develop some language around that so it's not just this fluffy idea you want to be able to articulate. That's why I love using strength finders and APEST to help people begin to put language around how God has hardwired them so they can celebrate the things they're good at, lean into it, which makes everything you do way more fun, way more energizing. And it also helps you understand the diversity around you and appreciate that diversity is God's plan. He's made people different on purpose. But that includes you, the pastor. Be you. Understand who that is. Build a church around it. You're God's A plan for what you do. So exciting. Yeah, it was cool as you're sharing that. What an amazing story. But I'm, I was getting this uh, um, image of, well, I had dry needling yesterday for the first time. Did you wear? Um, in my shoulder. Okay. Um, and what the physio said was like, the point of this um, is that like, because you're, I, I hurt my shoulder a couple of weeks ago and, and because of the injury, all the muscles surrounding this are stuck. Yes. You know? So what we're going to do is we're going to literally needle in there until we find the spot that's stuck, and it's just going to release it. What a great metaphor. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Isn't it crazy? And it's like, and he asked, he's like, like, I was like excited because I'd heard great things about it. He's like, you're not scared? And I was like, well, no. And he's like, well, it's kind of, it's a little bit like, like I I could make a mistake, but like, I, uh, but I was like, no, it's, it's like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't changing me, you know, like this isn't going to do something with my shoulder that it's not supposed to do. It's stuck because it's not working properly. Yeah. And the needle is what there's been an injury. Exactly. And the needle is what is needed to, to release, um, my shoulder to proper working order. And so how exciting is that to, to know that, that maybe what, um, is needed for you to be the most fruitful you've ever been is already inside of you placed there by God. And then 
sometimes you need someone to come in and and, and stick the needle in, you know, and release that. Um, <laughs> That's a great, great metaphor. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm I'm pretty sore too. Yes, like, yeah, it hurts. I'm not gonna lie, but it's risky. It hurts. Yeah, but uh, but man, it, it 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 does feel better. I already feel looser, and it and it's gonna enable me to get to where. Um, How long have you now. been with your physio? Is it a different one every time? Or the same no, one? same guy for four weeks now. Five, four so weeks, you four trust weeks. him. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, and I've had uh, yeah, I'm I've been broken a hundred times. So <laughs> Being not, an athlete, it's not the first four weeks for this one, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, there you go, it, it, because you do have to trust the person when you're going to try something new. Mm-hmm. And for me, with this fellow, for example, we'd been together multiple times in this coaching process, so it wasn't where I started. Mm. We had I d- I developed some relational equity, and I knew I could go there with him. Mm-hmm. And so it took some getting to know you, but that's such a really great perspective. It's already in you. That needling is what helps get you back to where you could be if you're firing on all cylinders. And I mm-hmm. find, I think especially post-COVID, Christian, there's so many priests, not just priests, people you're of all over the world, all of us are running on less fumes than we did before, less fuel than we have before. And the problem with that is, People feed off the energy of their leader, and that's a lot of responsibility. It's hard, and and so to get that kind of help, to get that kind of support, so that you can be released again to be fully who you are, to have that kind of impact is so important. I remember just watching you play hockey over the years; like you were always such a an offensive hockey player. But then when you got to a certain level, they played systems and then roles, and you were always so happy to play whatever role you needed to play. But then some of the things that you are naturally good at had to kind of die in a sense. And that must have been happy to do it, to be a team player. But what was that like for you? Um, yeah, definitely. What time period are you sp- referring to specifically? I'm thinking about when you were in the Quebec League Okay, um, under different coaches at different times. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, um, I remember one point specifically where um, – I had been playing some of the best hockey of my career um, and felt the freedom to do it. And I had a coach that was um, that was really intent on helping me discover my strengths and, and, and here's what you do well. And he, you analyze the game well and I want you to use that and I want you to fight me in video sessions when you don't think I'm right. And we, and we would have it out and, and it was so much fun. And I really felt like he had my back. I felt the freedom to make mistakes. Um, because I, I think we both trusted that um you wanted to win yeah and we were on the same page that way and so um yeah so th- first of all that clicked and and set me in a direction um where I was I was loving hockey again and yes um yeah and then we 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 loaded up to go for a championship and and um had a coaching change and and I had to take on a different role and it was really hard because you got to experience the freedom of being you, okay to make mistakes, can push back and forth. You're making each other better to back into this is the role that I need you to play, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that speaks to like, because because I wasn't I wasn't the guy anymore. We traded for players that were unbelievably talented. That's <laughs> true. And <laughs> and I had to. We needed guys that would. We we had guys that would take risks to make plays, and we needed some guys that that wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you need a balance, and and so I had to step into that role, and 
Um, we had a new coach with a new vision for where we were going, yes. and we were going to get there if it wasn't for COVID. Like let's right. let's yeah, let's be honest about that. Like he had us firing. Yes, and so I wonder, like, what's that like as a wonder if you can speak into this as an associate priest mm. when it's 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 the pastor's vision it's the pastor's values the pastor's vision and you're in a place where um you're not necessarily driving the ship yeah how do you handle that like what how do you coach into that i'm sure you've had experiences mm. with that well it's not just the associate it's everybody yes, else yeah. right and so What's the vision for the pastor? And that's why so it's so hard sometimes to be in churches where there doesn't seem to be a vision. We're just doing mass and the sacraments, and there's no vision beyond we're just going to do church, and that sucks the life out of people of capacity. Hmm. You, you know, it just kills me that so many people have left the Catholic Church and have gone on to to other denominations or traditions, and it kills me, because, and it kills them. They don't want to do it. And yet, when all we do is church and we don't have a vision to impact the world and, and to challenge people to grow and be better and commit, and then it's really tough. And so, you know, it is hard. It is hard when you have a pastor who doesn't have, seem to have a vision, and if he does, he doesn't articulate it. And if he does articulate it and it's not, it's not something that really gets you excited, something dies inside. Mm. And so... And so what do you do? It's you pray a lot. Maybe ask good questions. Like what kind of questions can you ask? That's where I would encourage you to do the apest and, and imagine because there's only five. It's come from Ephesians chapter four. Uh, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and all of that comes with its own particular language. And if you do your own, you'll understand how you're hardwired. But then it will also help you potentially understand maybe the charism of your pastor. So instead of judging him from your charism, Maybe understand what his charism and language is, and you can start using that language. Mm. And so if it's a she- if he's a shepherd and he cares for people, he wants people to be healed, he wants people to come together, he wants people to get along, then maybe the language that you can use is, hey, you know what? You're really good at making people feel like they belong and find a place to heal and to grow that's safe. I wonder if there's anybody else out there, because I'm an evangelist. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if there's anybody else out there that would really benefit from that safe place because you're good at creating it, aren't you? Yes, I am. It's really important to me. Recognize and acknowledge their values. I wonder if we can do something to reach more people so that they too can find that place to belong and heal. That's their language. Mm-hmm. You know, or as an apostle, I'm, all, I'm an apostle evangelist. And so for me, it's like, where do we need to go? Like, how do we need to mobilize these people so we can have a bigger impact? Who can we partner with? You know, what is the core of our DNA that we can get everybody on the same page with so that we can go? And so I've, I'm feeling sent all the time, but that can be a real threat to shepherds because they're like, hold on, hold on. You're not going to save the world, pal. Like, calm down, reduce the energy. And, and when that happens, I can feel misunderstood. I can feel like you don't want to go anywhere. And it's not the truth at all. But if we can begin to understand each other's language... I think that can go a long way. So getting back to your question as an associate, understand how you're hardwired and what your charisms are because you're going to see your ministry through that lens and then begin to try to understand and learn what your pastor's charisms are and use their language and also begin to ask questions like, where do you want the church to be in five years? If we were unbelievably successful, where's our next opportunity for impact? 
Ask good questions. Mm-hmm. But again, it doesn't mean it's easy because all of this assumes that people have good character and they're of good mental health. Right. And that's these two tests don't evaluate at all. And so you could have questionable character in leadership. Well, I think we've all served under leaders whose character has been questionable, even in the church. Um, and mental health, untreated mental health really takes its toll on people. And so sometimes that can become an issue too. And so it's, it's, it's tricky. But I think what, what can we do? We can pray. That's obvious, but worth saying. And we can begin to understand ourselves, do some of these tools, use some of these tools to understand yourself, and then maybe understand where your pastor might fit in and and try to use their language. I think a big part of it, too, at least in my situation that we were just talking about, was that like our new coach did have a vision, and he did have a reason for why he was making right. the decisions that he was making. And I was able to buy into that because it was so well articulated, mm. right? And, and it's like, yeah, I, I have to take a, a hit here. Like, I would love to play a certain way, but in order for us to reach, like, I would love to play a certain way, but I'd also, I'd love, love to win a championship a lot more. <laughs> and so if I have to play a different way so we can get there, I can buy into that. So, good. Um, But if we're just, if you're just cutting me off at the knees for the sake of cutting like me off me at the knees, yeah. then I don't want to be here anymore, right? And so that's, that's, mm. so this is a two-part podcast too, right? Where we have the values piece um, where you're digging into yourself and trying to find the things um, that you would do, even if the, the appetite form completely changes, the things sure. that really matter to you, um, but then how they manifest into a vision. Yes. Um, and that's, that's the piece that I guess we'd, I'd like to transition into yeah. now. Sure. Um, so how have you, or what have you learned about vision as a coach? One of the things I see time and time again is that people confuse vision with vision statement. Like they see people's vision statements and go, oh, there's their vision. Well, yes and no. You know, I, I'd say a vision statement is like somebody's flag. It represents something. It doesn't fully embody and articulate it. And so a vision statement is is a great way to put snappy words, short snappy phrase that's kind of a little bit of a rally cry. But your vision could fill a book. And in fact, I, there's a book right here by Father George that he just gave me. What is it? It's his vision. He literally wrote a book about his vision. Now, is that that's book awesome. his vision statement? No, of <laughs> course not. But that's the beauty of, of vision. You need a vision for everything. Like, what's my vision for my relationship with you guys? Like, I have a vision for it. I love you guys. Like, I have a vision for for what that could look like. I have a vision for, you know, at Alpha, what this season could look like. I have a vision for raising up leaders. There's, there's Vision needs to be spoken into everything. We always have to be asking ourselves, if we're wildly successful, what could this look like? And then paint yourself a picture of what that could look like. And remember it, share it, tell people. It's very different than a vision statement. In fact, I'd say if you're on this road to parish renewal, yes, you need to have vision. You don't need to have a vision statement. Kick that down the road for two, three years. You do not, it's not that important. But your vision is. Because your vision is going to be such an important part of how you recruit great people. You know, if you have a vision for some, well, and again, your second coach is that year, he had a vision. And he had to re you guys were already on the team. Mm-hmm. But he had to re-recruit you to his vision. Mm-hmm. And that's the same in churches. They're already there. You're a new pastor. 
you're not re- necessarily recruiting people to the, the church, or of course you are, but that's evangelization. But you already have a group of people. You have to re-recruit them again to a new vision because even if the person before you was an amazing pastor and you're an amazing pastor, you're going to have a different vision. And don't just assume that you're in a place of authority. Therefore, people have to buy in because what ends up happening is they stay and they check out. Like people are really good at dialing it in because they don't appreciate your vision. You haven't won them over to vision. And so one of the things I've seen is that people underestimate how important vision is. It's like, well, I'm just doing church and you should do this, this, and this. And we look at people's behavior. We don't look at their hearts. And we need to win over minds and hearts with a vision that we get excited about. Because if we don't get excited about it, nobody's going to buy into it. You can't fool people. What are you passionate about? What's your vision? And what are you willing? And your vision will always require sacrifice. You know, that is passion. What are you willing to sacrifice for? What are you willing to lay your life down for? And so often people aren't going to lay their life down for programs or best practices or a particular model. But they'll lay their life down for their kids, their friends, their family, their neighbors. And so when we're speaking vision... Who are we going to save? Who are you going to mobilize me to help? It's always got to be about people. And when we will lay down our lives to help others reach the people they love and care for, and we're going to lay our life down to equip people to help go get the people that God longs for, people get behind that. Mm. But if we're talking tasks for talking behaviors or we want people to worship we want people to do this we want people if you're talking about people's behaviors that's easy to say go pound sand buddy like get over yourself it's always about people Mm. not behaviors awesome how have you seen that effect or what effect does that have on teams i guess in terms of trust in terms of staying power yeah when you have when you have a vision that's based on the leader's values what what, uh, does that what does that look like what's the difference that it makes it's huge because we can tell they mean it you know we can tell they mean it because they're willing to sacrifice like people are going to watch you as a leader to see if you're willing to sacrifice if you're a boss telling people what to do and you're not laying your life down for stuff people pick that up pretty quick too and so they're only going to dial it in. And so the level of the interest and passion and sacrifice you bring to a vision worth creating will inspire your team around you. And so, yeah, yeah, I think I've, I lead by example. And I love that. That's what Jesus did on Holy Thursday. With all the, the power on heaven and earth, he knew who he was. He knew whose he was. And he knew where he was going. And boy, and he's staring his passion right in the face. And with all the power in heaven and earth, he literally got on his knees and washed his apostles' feet. And Peter said, you can't wash my feet. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get it. Like if you can't do this for each other, you have no, you have nothing. There's no, you can't. Like that is what I do. That is what leadership looks like in my kingdom. You have no part of me if you're not willing to do this. So let me wash your feet. I want to show you what leadership looks like. I just don't want to tell you. And I think as leaders who have vision that's rooted in their passion, if it's your passion, your values, 
people are going to see it and you're going to sacrifice for it and you're going to live in it. It's going to bring you energy and that's going to invigorate your team. And if you'll sacrifice for it, they'll sacrifice for it. And, you know, the very fact that 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred, they were willing to literally lay their life down for their leader because he did the exact same thing. And if you're playing it safe as a leader, please don't say you're going on, you know, parish transformation is one of your goals. It's not. It's not. You're dialing it in. You're helping the parish continue to manage decline because they are declining in this culture. It's 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 too adversarial against the the gospel message. If you're not going to understand your values, explore your vision and lead with passion and purpose, you're managing decline. And if you're going to go on parish renewal, it is going to cost, but pay the price because it makes life worth living. It's so exciting. It brings your vocation alive in, in, in ways that you'll thank God every minute of every day for the suffering, just like St. Paul. He was glad to suffer for the gospel. He was laying his life down for the right thing, the right purpose, the right reason, the right person. It was so exciting. Find that passion as a pastor. And if you do, the team around you, talk about loyalty. When you know somebody will love and care for you, you know, some people don't know this, but, you know, Father James sometimes would get, because every, every leader gets criticized. I mean, you get thick skin if you're in leadership. You're always doing things that people feel you could have done differently. So people will have an opinion on it, and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. But sometimes it can get pretty cutting. And I remember being at St. Benedict, Father James is... Um, wonderful with people he loves people he loves to see churches full and people praising god and coming to faith like it's just so he gets so excited about those things as did i and yet his personal disposition is one he's an introvert so he he needs time to recharge his batteries and when i first came to saint benedict he hired me as the director of evangelization what i didn't know is he needed in order to pay for that he took He took that money that he would have used to have his own place and he put it towards my income so that, and that he lived with a group of priests. And it sounds like, oh, isn't that lovely? But it was, that wasn't easy for him. He was willing to sacrifice for the good of the people so that we could go on mission right away as we started at St. Benedict Parish. And that wasn't a small sacrifice, but he didn't trumpet it from the top of the roof. And so when people attacked him or, 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 talked about him poorly, I knew the difference. And don't you talk about my friend like that. I know how much he loves you. You don't know how much he loves you, but I'm telling you he loves you and he's willing to sacrifice for you even while you persecute him. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did? I'll follow a guy like that. Wow. Um, Well said. Just to wrap things up, what's your hope for... Everybody listening today? You matter. God made you on purpose. Layperson, clergy, bishops. Your your leadership is going to have exponential impact as you lean into how you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Getting in touch with your values so that it ignites your passion. So do the work. If you've been resisting getting help because you thought somebody was going to turn you into something you're not, then explore some options. There's lots of people doing this type of work right now. Take some courses. 
and maybe get some coaching. And if anybody's trying to make you something, you're not find another coach. Because God made you on purpose to be great. And if you find yourself in situations where you're perpetually misunderstood, perpetually not welcomed to be you, then get some help. <laughs> because you're meant to be you. And it kills your spirit. It kills your soul. Make sure that as you understand who you are, give thanks for who you are, lean into who you are, you'll begin to be freed up again. You'll begin to have passion again and let that passion drive your vision for what's possible. Again, whether you own a company or whether you're running a church or whether you're leading a ministry, start to dream again. Create a picture of the future that will excite others because it's focused on people. Because people will lay down their life for other people. Be careful of being too focused on things or models or programs. We're always laser focused on people and work hard together to create a vision that excites and recruits amazing people and be willing to sacrifice yourself for the very things that you feel called to do. And I hope this podcast will help people get back in touch because like you're dry needling, it's already there. We just need to free some things up so that you have your mobility back mm-hmm. so that you can be pain-free again and do what you do best, and that is to bring people home to God and lead a church worth living. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking if anyone's listening and feeling called to get dry needling um, <laughs> or or coaching, I guess. It's, it's, <laughs> um, that's... Uh, that's what that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to journey with you if that's something that you're interested in. Um, you can visit our website at ronhuntley.com. Um, we will link uh, a place where you can you can book a call with us in the description yes. wherever you're watching this, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, YouTube. Um, we'll make sure it's there. Um, yeah, and we'll be praying for you. Um, yeah. Would you like to close us in prayer? Sure. Now, actually. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to explore values and vision, hopefully to inspire some people that have been feeling a little tired, maybe feeling like they're dialing it in. Lord, hopefully this podcast will get shared within teams so that together they can free themselves up, hit the the reset button, and not continue to head down a road that we know isn't bringing life, but recommit to life, to passion, to impact. Lord, set the captives free, free to be who you've called them to be. Help us to appreciate and understand diversity. Stop judging one another based on our own values. Come, Holy Spirit. And Mary, intercede for all of those leaders. In Jesus' name we pray. Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks to all of you tuned in, and uh, we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember if you're still breathing, you are.